You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. I was thinking, I, I, I would like to take credit, but it was probably Connor's idea. I think we're going to do, and I actually had to ask you, but we can just ask on air, is uh, <laughs> we're going to probably do a uh, reacting to my first competition video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think I'm going on probably eight years ago. Because uh, it's probably something like that, yeah. It's a whole other topic. Um, but I was talking to my Twitch chat about uh, what's um, what makes you a power lifter and what makes you a bodybuilder. Right. And for some reason in my head, it doesn't, they don't go together like my morals or my like line isn't drawn well but bodybuilding i think if you are, call yourself a bodybuilder you better stepped on stage in a mankini yeah and in power bag but in powerlifting i don't care banana hammock yeah you tanned shaved yeah uh in powerlifting i don't care i think if you're kind of i do think because the sport's so simple you better squat bench deadlift um like you can't just like try to increase your bench and call yourself a powerlifter mm-hmm. but i think if you're in the gym and trying to get strong, you're a powerlifter to me, and I don't really care. But some people are really tight on it. Like, you better step on stage, put your ass on the line if you're going to be a powerlifter, if you're going to consider you're that, or, you know, whatever. I'm not really like that. But with bodybuilding, because maybe I haven't done it, and I would never fucking call myself. <laughs> I don't even want to call myself a powerlifter. I don't give a shit. Uh, that's what the internet calls me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, how, how do I describe it? I say we have a background in powerlifting. And both of us have, have lifted competitively yeah. and whatever. Yeah, at this um, point, for me and you, it doesn't matter. But I just mean for the general public, even. When, but when people say, um, here's the thing that people can say without pissing anybody off. They can say, I train like a powerlifter. Yeah, yeah. I train like a powerlifter. I like powerlifting. I like powerlifting. I do some powerlifting. Not like, not, not I am a powerlifter, yeah. but I do some powerlifting. It does it. It takes the whole... It's just an elitist thing, though. Yeah, for some like a, big old powerlifter to be all insulted by that. Like you haven't even competed. You're calling yourself powerlifter. I competed three times at local, state, regional, states. Fuck you. I don't think that there's, or there is, or even should be, you know, any kind of stolen valor sentiment. That's what around. people get, though. People get so mad. I don't know why. It's, I think this conversation started because someone came into my chat and uh, somebody knew on Twitch and they said something. Uh, like I'm powerlifter ish, uh, and this was a yeah. And I was like, "You're powerlifter ish. What does that mean?" Because uh, they weren't confident because of these assholes. They weren't confident mm. to say, "I like powerlifting" or "I've powerlifted." And I was like, mm-hmm. well, "Well, what does that mean?" Like, "Oh, well, I've only competed once or twice." I was like, yeah, "You're a fucking powerlifter. Like, fuck those dickheads up there that think they're strong. Like, yeah. fuck, like you're a fucking powerlifter. You step on for sure if you step on the platform once. Now you're a powerlifter if you want to be. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's if you want to be. I don't want to be. But yeah. It, uh, ringing in from last episode a little bit like powerlifting any any competition i do now gaming i guess because some people are serious esports gamers mm-hmm. or whatever and i get a little competitive but none of this stuff is like fulfillment i guess to me and that's where i don't find identity in competing as a powerlifter or identity in in competing as a gamer i think and, and luckily enough for me that i've had the experience of coaching world record holders and um, playing video games with people that are top ranked mm-hmm. and um, making friends with people that are insanely good in the esports world, um, but it nothing compares to the fulfillment I had for basketball or through basketball coaching or uh, playing, let alone for sure playing. 
So then like I don't get caught up in my identity being in these things. Uh, and our career is that if I had to label myself, I'm like a content creator. I'm a creator, uh, whether it's business, products, um, branding, marketing, and content. So I don't really... I do get some fulfillment from those things. And I think that's where people's identity, if you don't get fulfillment for something, but you identify as that thing, you got to remap your brain and your life. Yeah. Because I think that's going to be a big disconnect and you're going to run, run into a, a road eventually that'll really fuck you up. Well, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, CrossFit, any wrestling, mass wrestling, any of those th- kind of things. If you're, com- if you're doing it locally and it is, and it is, you know, just a regular hobby and you're kind of a weekend warrior about how you do stuff. That's one thing. And I think it's another thing altogether if you're like serious, com- competitive, whatever, like in powerlifting, if you're tra- if you're traveling to go to meets, if you're trying to hit, you know, like national meets and international meets and stuff like that, that's an entirely different thing. Yeah. Most people are not there. Yeah, which is cool about these kind of sports. And I guess esports is a little different because – you can't really you can go to local competitions but normally you're just competing if you're fucking good yeah um running wrestling um uh, powerlifting weightlifting crossfit they are kind of the sports that have built themselves on the people and so mm-hmm. you can kind of compete or find a division there's different divisions like there's no nba doesn't have a division for 35 year old dad <laughs> like that doesn't belong you know like it's not a thing yeah. um, but powerlifting for does sure. like crossfit does weightlifting does running there's 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 fun runs right like mm-hmm. they have these little tie-dye things or like a star wars that's the only time i've ever once considered running i think there's a star wars disney 5k oh uh and i was like or i think there's like adidas and nike ones yeah. and you get like a signature pair of sneakers i love sneakers i love star wars one of those like almost made me want to run just to get the prize didn't never gonna happen but at least crossed my mind for a second but there are different like um recreational styles of yeah it. and yeah. there are recreational leagues where you compete in basketball but it's not like you can't go and play like a weekend league with a bunch of dads and say like I'm a basketball player like fuck you. But no. but in powerlifting you kind of can. Um yeah. uh because because the sport is uh for better and worse uh so discombobulated. <laughs> uh yeah. there's there's really good things why powerlifting uh, does has a billion federations. There's some benefits to that. Uh there's some benefits to it kind of being a joke sport in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um but then there's some obviously negatives to all of that, a lot of those things too where you know, official or unofficial world records. Same with Strongman. Shout out to Thor for that huge deadlift he just threw down. I think it was 1,058 or something stupid. Um, but even that, like, he posts, like, unofficial record, but he's, like, on an elephant bar. I was like, well, what fucking record? Like, obviously, oh. it's Strongman deadlift unofficial record, but it's not a deadlift unofficial record. Like, it's not. It's just not. The deadlift, deadlift, this, the, the, the act of the deadlift is in powerlifting. Yeah. Do you kind of deadlift in strongman? Y- yeah. But you're on this bar. Sometimes you got plates. Sometimes you don't have plates. Sometimes you have wide plates. Like the deadlift record is in powerlifting. Um, so if you're using a funky bar, you're no longer the deadlift yeah. record man. Yeah. You, you have the strongman deadlift. Yeah. Calibrated plates. And you're, Has to be. And you're not using straps and you're right. wearing a singlet right. because you're competing in powerlifting right. and that requires a singlet. Right. And all this stuff. Yeah, no, I agree with you on, on that point. But if you want to Not everybody's sh- going to agree that. No, way, no, but. fuck them. I barely ever draw lines in the sand. And yeah. so when I do, we're doing it. And so if you want to be the strong man 
unofficial record where the barbell can be an absolute wet noodle. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, that's not a deadlift. I mean, powerlifting already doesn't have much to it. So let's keep it as it is, <laughs> you know? It, it, uh, depending upon where you are. I mean, people might be asking about like which underwear you wear and asking everyone now and stuff like that. I think I think the two or three biggest federations, you got to wear whitey tighties. Uh, I'm actually. That's uh, kinky is what that is. That's <laughs> maybe. Like, Who made those rules, huh? I don't know. I, Elvis had a thing for tidy whiteys, but. Like I, tidy I, panties, but anyway. I'm just waiting for one of our boys who is a power lifter and also does a bunch of research and science to finally prove that Under Armour spandex shorts don't add pounds to your lift. Do not add pounds to <laughs> your There's just lift. no way. I, I'm I'm convinced that like knee sleeves uh, don't add what people think they add. People, I don't think that they could possibly yeah. add what people even uh, make them as tight as you want. Yeah. Mechanically, what are they doing? Yeah, it can't be. It's I think mechanically they're only adding that inch of foam behind your knee. So if you squat to insane depth. You're you getting a get hair, like the it. tiniest rebound, but it's not a trampoline behind your knees. Yeah, I don't think it affects performance. I think what it does affect is is keeping your knees warm. For and some confidence. Who have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some yeah proprioception, confidence. Same with belt. Like people say it adds 100 pounds, but that's just because you train with a belt all the time. So when you go beltless, it feels off. If you did, hypothetically, you could clone yourself and you did the tra- same training cycle with and without a belt, I think the, it would be marginal. Do, do you think a belt adds more or less than 10%? Less. I tend to agree with you. Yeah, less. I mean, ten percent would be what six hundred pound or yeah, six hundred pound deadlift to six sixty. Is my math way off? Yeah, no way. If I'm you're so bad at math, if you're good at uh... my dad, you could throw fucking calculus and he'll do in his head. I can't even do basic multiplication. I'm going to do some math here for just a second. Yeah, I don't think so. I think probably less than 10% again, but the only way we can quantify that is if we had a hypothetical clone, we were on the same training cycle, beltless and belted. I think it would be less than 10%. Yeah, you're you're just about right. Ten uh, percent less from sixty from six sixty is five ninety four. So yeah, or if you go yeah, ten percent is six hundred. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. But competing, uh, some people are really driven off it. Uh, again, talking to you know my buddy Bart. Um, obviously, tons of powerlifters. You know, they're very competitive with themselves or their numbers, and the only way they they can train hard in the gym is to have a goal. And I used to preach things like that. Um, Hey, set a definite goal and, and that's, you know, will allow you to be more adherent. But I think the only way to really be adherent to your training and nutrition is, is to, again, find out what fulfills you. And that's a much deeper, dumber philosoph- uh, philosophical conversation that you have to have with yourself and really look inward. And it's much harder to come up on an answer rather than it's way easy. Like, well, I got to meet in May. I better work hard for it. Mm-hmm. But some people aren't driven that way. And I know I definitely am not driven that way. I can work hard when the camera's on. I can work hard when the camera's off. I can work hard when I have a competition. I can work hard if I never compete again. Um, and everyone is a little bit different. You don't necessarily... Some people do need to put their ass on the line to, to be motivated. But um, And some people find it for fun. If you if you have fun competing, props to you. I hate it. I uh, don't enjoy it. Um, but I think that's the best part of these, again, backyard sports, we'll call them. Yeah. The running's in the Olympics. I get it. Whoever's butthurt out there. I'm not saying it's they're all backyard. I'm but, just saying there's potential for backyard. Yeah, but we're not talking to people who are trying to become Olympic runners. Yeah, marathon runners. And marathon runners or anything else. Like, people... People need to start off, if you're going to compete for the first time, which is really the topic of this particular um, episode, is is how do you get prepared to compete yeah. in a, a 5K or a 10K yeah. or whatever. Or a marathon. Or a marathon, whatever. Um, I think a marathon is going to be a bigger deal, but... but um, like, how do you get started? What's what do you, What are you trying to pay attention to? Like, 
I'm thinking about shoes. Like yeah. I know that's kind of it's a big deal for a lot of people. And my wife spent a small fortune on shoes last year because she bought one pair and discovered that they just didn't work for her at all. Yeah, or how cool. many miles you throw on them. I know that's a big yeah. thing in running. I don't know that much about the running world, but like, oh, each shoe's worth whatever, 500 miles. Or like something I never even thought about in basketball. I just liked shoes, and it was just like tradition that every season I would get a new pair of shoes. But yeah. it's probably similar for other sports too, I imagine. Like no way they're as healthy for your feet or feel as comfortable or have as much grip for sure in basketball is if you use a, a shoe for four years or mm-hmm. something like that nature. So I know runners are big on that. Um, I'm in the same mindset as you, like uh, the, the ground you're running on, mm-hmm. is it like a dirt trail, gravel trail, cement, uh, grass, whatever, clay track, like where are you running? That probably plays a big effect on how you train um, and potentially what type of shoes and training you do. But beyond that, I have no clue i was also thinking about um well, you know like what clothes you need to wear and, and yeah. chafing and like how do you yeah do, they have glide high? they have glide something i, yeah. I think Body it's only glide. yeah yeah i think that's only an issue when you're not a runner because if you're a runner you ain't got that much chub rub but when you're not a runner <laughs> and you're built like me right <laughs> yeah big thighs or and, bloody nipples i've heard everything uh yeah i've heard that like uh marathons i've heard yeah that, maybe yeah. if you have a different shirt on i think i've had a bloody nipple actually uh <laughs> i used to i still do wear like just big baggy cotton shirts it's just my favorite like a heavy 90 shirt and that's uh-huh. what every basketball camp would give you so you'd wear those to play practice or whatever and i played so much like i used to go from open gym to open gym so there'd be like one at my school then there'd be one over at this rec center and then i would end up at 24-hour fitness and i would just play basketball like for five hours straight mm-hmm. and sometimes you change shirts sometimes you didn't i think one time i didn't and the shirt's so heavy and then when it got wet it like bounced oh, on you yeah, like a vest was, i think i had a bloody nipple and, like, when i was 18 i was like what the fuck yeah, it gets gets rough. I've um uh I've really only had that at the ocean. And like uh, spending too much time in salt water yeah, and yeah. you start to crack after yeah. a while. Well, th- I mean chub rub all the time. Or like yeah. summers in Sacramento are bad, so you go to like um um whatever it be, like Great America or the State Fair or somewhere where you're outside just walking around all day, I'd get a little chub rub even like in my peck armpit area. Mm. Uh but definitely down in the junk. It is painful. So body glide advice. Body glide yeah, the other thing too. This is just a this is a tip for some of you who are getting into the the older range, but maybe all of you. Maybe this is you need to start this habit now. Moisturize after your shower, hmm. whole body. Hmm. I think that's a thing everywhere except California. Maybe because I've heard I've seen a bunch of like random like dudes that I follow like YouTube guys or like whatever they would just like jokingly say it but then other people would be confused because i think other we're pretty dry here i guess generally because we are a little bit in a valley but i think other winters are harsher obviously like i don't really get chapped lips in our winter but as soon as i go to new york or somewhere for a week i'm like my lips are bleeding but i think they all moisturize and like moisturizing wasn't a thing for me it's still not like i don't have like crackly skin really um but if you live somewhere that gets real cold, I think you automatically do. So I think you automatically are born into moisturizing. Uh, or if you grew up in California, I don't. I don't think you do, unless maybe Tahoe or something. That's that's possible. That's maybe very true. The thing that I noticed though is that I tend to be kind of a, a, a rashy guy, and particularly in the like in the summer, like my back will get all crazy. Yeah. However, if I'm moisturizing, I'm like reinforcing that barrier. So you're not getting as much like bacteria and yeah, shit yeah. into your pores for it to to, to piss off your skin yeah, and yeah. stuff. It it literally has made a huge huge difference for me personally. And that's been like the last I don't know six eight months. I've been really diligent about it. And body glide, 
body glide. Moisturize. We'll find out what kind of shoes. We're going to try to get you ready for your first potential running your first race, um, how to enjoy it, how to prepare for it, and maybe what what length, uh, all the questions, because we don't know shit about it. We don't know anything at all. Here we go. All right. Part two. Let's do, uh, let's do get, because we sort of got into like getting into your first race. Let's do like uh, first Ragnar, first, first Spartan race. Okay. Um, give me 30, give me a minute. Sure. Absolutely. Bio break. We're, we're totally down with that. All right. Love it. This is, this has been fun. Glad we, I appreciate you guys letting us uh, come on. Yeah, no problem. We, um, we are obviously we're testing new equipment here. We're yep. we're trying to add back in. We're we're we originally came from the from the like YouTube world, and then um and then into podcast, and then a podcast that was both YouTube and and um, audio. And with this show, we've done less with audio. I uh, was less yeah. with video. We've been um, very audio oriented, and so we're trying to work our way back into it. So, okay. um, we have a uh, brand new HDMI switcher here, and we're actually able to switch to you guys um, during the course of this. So, hopefully, when our, our our video guy who is not here today, he got a job. I mean, the audacity of that! <laughs> what the fuck? This guy. <laughs> And uh, so he... Uh, That's funny. Yeah, he'll be uh, uh, putting this together. Oh, uh, so the video, you're using the video too? Yeah, yeah, we're using the video too. All right, let me, uh, give me a second. I'll put the, I didn't know that. I'll use uh, the light for the next one so there's a little bit brighter. Okay, cool. I don't know how much, I maybe you can see okay, but in yeah, my view, it, it looks it, like it's a little dark. Yeah, it's a little bit dark. Yeah, hold on a second. I love that bio break. <laughs> yeah, I've been in way too many conference conference calls and 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 like you know team meetings and crap where th- it's gone on much further, much longer than you had expected. I actually have to be in one tomorrow, so. back from la with a little cold nice rich you're in a bunch of the um have you seen the video that they produced for for podcast movement no you're in it a couple times yeah saturday oh, morning really? at the keynote saturday morning they showed their little promo video basically of the event they're like watch you know for yourself in this video and yeah you were in there at least three times if i if i saw right yeah i think that's about oh, right okay. i was not in it at all but i i only watched it online i wasn't i i played okay. hooky on saturday i Went to Venice and um, had lunch and then ice cream with a couple of friends I don't get to see very often. So nice, yeah. Uh, that that twenty bucks went uh, real far, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the the guy just kept focusing on you for whatever reason. I felt so bad for him at that one party that was in the basement, that club. It was so dark, and there was no place for him to put his backpack down. He was walking around with a camera. I was like, is your back killing? And he said, yes. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. 
I've been That's there. That's the worst party I've, I've seen at any of those events. It, it was, was terrible. Really it was yeah. terrible. I haven't gotten a, um, I haven't gotten a, uh, please evaluate kind of email or anything yet, but that's going to be on my list. Yeah. That and just some well, of there were, there, there were, there were presenters that were actually talking about it in just how loud it was during their, uh, well, actually, you, you, I think you were in the one that we were listening to. The gentleman was, uh, 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 I think it was the podcaster from Lore. Oh, we yeah, speaking. yeah. We had mentioned it. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was bad. And then that, that one room that was split in two, and you couldn't hear anything on <sighs> either side. The the metrics woman was like, this is fucked up. Like, <laughs> she She was not pulling any punches at all. The very last one we had in that particular space, the one commentator, or the one presenter, was literally yelling. <laughs> oh, I believe it. And yeah, it was it was it was getting pretty awful in that space. I totally believe that. All right, we we set you ready. We're ready. Okay. Uh, and now we're back with us uh, another episode with our friends from the Ragnar Life podcast. Um, our question for this is like we we actually we did our first half and talked a little bit about um, like getting ready for a first race and we don't know anything about that at all honestly other than just a little bit at a time uh, and then in the previous episode we talked a little bit about um, about maybe getting ready for a five k you guys are both have a background in either Ragnar or Spartan or both how would you prepare for one of those races. Okay, uh, so I, I was going to let Rich go first, but he, so we, especially, and in, in to kind of talk about the podcast, that's a lot of when I started the podcast, what I wanted to show is that anyone of all levels is, in my opinion, just about ready for to run a Ragnar. Not maybe, because on the road side, especially the road, you have different miles. Like, there's some legs where it's only two, three miles. Mm-hmm at all and you don't even if you weren't able to run the whole entire thing and you're on a team that's okay as a team you know you can now if your whole team can't run any of their miles that's that's probably more of an issue but it's a team event so i think in my opinion i can't speak i've yet to ever do a spartan personally and and maybe spartan's a little different we we were able fortunately got, got the chance to interview the one of the people that does their spartan up podcast and you know uh from some of the questions we asked on spartan side Spartan, I think you probably need more training than a Ragnar, in my opinion. But yeah, you need a little bit maybe. But like it, it's um, there's a road version and a trail version. Now there's a, a shorter road version called the Sunset Series. So it's I think uh, Rich can probably speak better. I think it's three people, three or four people run, and it starts. It's maybe a twelve hour race. So I think there's a room for almost everybody's level almost right away in a Ragnar race, in my opinion. And we asked the question and there's definitely on that podcast, there's people kind of give different variations and different answers. But in my opinion, if you have any time at all to prepare, like you had said, you know, a couple months to go into something. So if you signed up maybe in January to do a race in August, that to me is plenty of time, no matter how much you've ever ran in your life to be able to get on a Ragnar team. Um, maybe not on some trails, but definitely on the roadside. You could probably fit in any team on a road, in my opinion. I've always said if you can if you can run five miles nonstop, you can run a Ragnar. 
Um, but talking about Spartan, oh, you definitely, definitely, definitely don't want to just come off the couch and head out to a Spartan race. Um, the training, um, once again, I, I, I'd highly recommend CrossFit facility if you've got one in your area to get started into something like that. But if not, um, you know, um, one of the things that I did, uh, when I first started, um, I didn't really know that much about CrossFit at the time. So I didn't really realize it was an option. So I just, I put a lot of miles down. I'm in training for Spartan, this first Spartan, they've got a number of different varying courses, um, from, I think from like four miles all the way up to 25 or 24 hour race as well. Um, but in, in the training that you have to put into it, it, you're going to be going over walls. Um, and so I would go, I would jog, um, uh, to parks in my, uh, community and I would go over to playgrounds and I would go up, up and across the monkey bars. Um, any, anything that I could crawl over, lift up onto, um, that's kind of what I was doing. Um, I, I got a weighted vest and would, uh, wear that around quite a bit, um, or like a, uh, rucksack, um, just so you've got something heavy, some weight behind you. Um, and burpees, you want to do hundreds of burpees a day. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> that, loves that so, idea. You might think that that's an exaggeration, but you go out, you know, and every obstacle you fail at a Spartan race, you've got to do 20 burpees. So all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking, hey, it's not that big of a deal. And you start thinking about it and you're like, wait, I put in 100, 140, 160. You start putting in some burpees if you're not able to complete all those obstacles out there. And that's the other thing is by the time, so like, like the javelin throw. So you've gone through all these things that just worked your upper body. You get to the javelin throw and you've barely got anything left uh-huh. and you're just tickled to death that the javelin actually hit the target. Oh, <laughs> but no, there's not enough force to actually make it stick. So here come another 20 burpees for you. Yeah. If you're going to do Spartan, do a lot of burpees. It sounds punishing. L- literally punishing. Isn't like, oh, you didn't do that. Here, here's your thing. Here's the thing you have to do to make up for that. Let me let me tell you about my first experience because I, I actually broke my body out on the Spartan course and and fell in love with it from there. So I, I did I did some training. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't adequate enough training, but for that point in my life and not knowing how to specifically train, I'd really given it my all. We came out and it was at Soldier Hollow Utah, uh, Soldier Hollow Utah, for the first time uh, in Utah, and they. This was a course that was the 2002. Um, uh, oh, they used it for the, the cross country. I, I'm not sure what you call it, the, the when they do the, the skiing and the shooting. Uh, is that the decathlon? Uh, uh, biathlon. Anyway, anyway so it was at those? that it was at that particular mountain resort, and they they started the race. It was a one mile uphill run. And hey, being being a fairly strong runner, I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this run and I'm going to go for it. And so, you know, it's a single track trail going up and I'm, I'm leaping over sagebrush bushes, trying to get around people at every opportunity I possibly can. As soon as we get to the top of the mountain, they literally took us right straight back down the mountain. So it was a, the first two miles was a one mile up, one mile down. Mm. You got to the bottom and... I, at that point in time, wore uh, glasses, not contacts. I'm like, there's no reason for me to wear my glasses on the course. I can see well enough. Get down. The very first obstacle I come to is a BB shooting uh, <laughs> obstacle. 
So, so needless to say, I had 20 burpees coming out of the gate. Um, hit, hit all the different obstacles, got to mile four, and there's an obstacle we call Berlin Walls. And I think like the first mile, uh, obstacle is like a six-foot wall, and the next one's a seven-foot wall, and then an eight-foot wall that you got to skimmy, uh, skimmy over. And I got over the last one, and I hung my foot up on the top of it, came down basically kind of doing the splits and landed with all of my weight on my right leg, hyperextended it, oh. blew out the meniscus, and and finished out and it finished out the race. I mean that 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 was my proudest. I I actually muscled through it and said, "All right, we, we can do this." Um but it definitely tests all of your um skills as far as dexterity, agility, um and and the training, you know, it it's definitely not something to be taken lightly, but it's definitely a challenge. And when you say you beat yourself up, yes, you do, but there's something that's exhilarating to that. And you're in some just beautiful country when when you go out to these different races as well. With the uh, Spartan races, do you know uh, the events that go to each race? Because I assume they're not the exact same at each, like each obstacle. Uh, do you know uh, ahead of time that there's like a BB gun or, or what if someone's never thrown a javelin or something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you don't always know in advance. Um it's been a couple of years since I've actually run um, a Spartan race, so I don't know if they're if they're putting out an advanced calendar. I know that most of the obstacle course races they try and keep those obstacles under wraps. Just that's kind of the novelty of going out and doing the obstacle course race. But there's some standards. I mean, you're going to find monkey monkey bars at any event that you go to. Um, at a Spartan race, you're going to find a javelin throw at, at every race you go to. Um, there, there's certain, you know, you're going to have a rope pull of some kind. Um, they're definitely using a lot of your upper body, um, and giving you a lot of things to climb on. Um, but that, that's, that's what's so cool about it, is not actually knowing, uh, what you're going to come up, come up to or how you're going to get across it. Um, a lot of these guys, they've been doing so many obstacle course races, they've just got kind of a routine for each of the obstacles they come to. And so I think that's kind of the challenge of these larger race series is to actually come up with some new concepts uh, to keep some of these other uh, pro athletes on their toes. Yeah, stuff like that seems to be so incredibly popular now. Uh, and I'd imagine Spartan was kind of near the beginning of it, but um, like The Rock has a TV show that mm-hmm. has events that are kind of like that. Obviously, American Ninja Warrior is kind of like an extreme of the obstacles. Um, we'll see the other one. Stone Cold Steve Austin had one. And then yeah. talking about CrossFitters being good, I think they like recruited almost purely CrossFitters yeah, to go Yeah, we knew on. a few people who were on that show. Yeah, they went to Stone Cold's Ranch or whatever, and they would do very similar things, kind of run some dirt Stone ranch. Stone Cold's Ranch. It wasn't yeah, really in LA. Another, another story. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and then you end up, um, yeah, having to like climb a rope, jump some rocks and then run a mile or two or something. But, uh, it, it, there's obviously something to it, um, from like the personal journey. Otherwise it wouldn't be so popular, you know, like powerlifting is not very popular. Um, but the people that are in it are really deep in it. Yeah. Um, something it, like this, the scale, it's just weird to me because it's a niche, like running is a niche. Spartan is kind of a niche. But we come from like a niche of a niche. Yeah. You could count on your hand how many people are like so into powerlifting or even know what it is. But so many humans either do it very casually, you know, everyone, oh, yeah, I run Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, it's just so scalable, I guess. Yeah. It's so scalable and it, it is kind of something for everyone, which I find really interesting. Uh, side question I want to ask you guys. What's um like something, what's, what's, what's like a race or a time or a distance you've done 
that you would probably like brag about at a party, something to let people know you're a runner. Like if you're talking to other runners, because every little, I'm sure at a party, like, oh, you run? Cool. Me too, dude. And then you're like, all right, motherfucker. Like, no, I run. Uh, like you don't run. I run. And so then what number are you dropping on them? And then also second question is, what is like the most difficult uh, race, run, obstacle time that you've done? Um, that's an easy, uh, easy one for me. Um, uh, my miles is 65 miles in 24 hours with obstacles at world's toughest mutter. I'm very proud of that. It took me three years to, or three different attempts to get to that distance. I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I thought, I thought you'd said that it took you three years to run 65 miles. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's taking me 31 i haven't run 65 miles that was pushing the couch at the same time <laughs> and now and that race definitely was the toughest as well um it it definitely i was not going out for podium it was 100 percent pure um personal accomplishment uh, for any of it for me and um it, it was it was well worth it it, it was I, like I said, I don't want to do it again, but it was a journey that was definitely well worth it. Yeah, and I think for me, what's interesting, you know, you, you um, talked about being a basketball player in the past, and that's, I think, what's been difficult for me in the running space because I don't really still consider myself, quote-unquote, a runner, even though I know I'm good at it. It's, But I never looked at people that were runners as people I looked up to growing up. So I was very good at um, – and to this day, I can not play basketball and go back again, and I can shoot really well, especially from long distance. I can hit you know certain many threes in a game. So to me, those are easier to brag about personally than the running side for me. But um, depending, and, and another thing, as I've gotten older, there's always somebody out there better than you run wise. Like just about the time you think you know you're great, somebody flies by you like you're standing still. Um, so for me, I think what I mentioned to people. Um, to kind of uh, reference, uh, and I talked about it earlier on the podcast, but the just having, because I never went out and, and timed myself in a mile time. My mile and a half time got below eight minutes for a mile and a half. So I was kind of shooting to try to do seven and a half mile and a half for my military test. So in the military space, people just knew already that I was a good runner and you get a lot of notoriety for it. But in um, certain circles, I'll talk about my mile time at any point being a, a good amount of time and I'm pretty proud overall that I'm able to maintain the long t- long distance pace of about a six and a half to seven minute mile pace and on a long distance and I've, I've been able to really do that consistently so I think that's you know kind of holding my own in that sense so it's you know to your, it's it's funny because normally I'm very competitive and I would be a big deal but I guess because of just never really looking at runners and, and, and kind of holding them up like I do other sports and other athletes. It's, it's a little harder for me to, you know, talk shit. So. <laughs> do you guys have any experience with um, actual prep courses or know people who took prep courses for, for Spartan? No, I, I'm, I, aside from their uh, online uh, videos, I didn't know that they had any real prep courses. I've seen a couple, you know, that were available for people, you know, uh, usually around a particular gym or whatever, sometimes a CrossFit gym or whatever, they they put together a series so that people have 
some experience with running and some experience with obstacles and 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 all that. Um, we've definitely known some people who did the races there. There's like a big one that they have had at. Um, Is it Squaw? Yeah, there's that. That that was last. I think that was last year, right? And we live pretty close to Lake Tahoe. And they do a bunch of stuff kind of in the hills there that I imagine is something I'll never do, but it's very beautiful. And they have done them at, um, I keep forgetting what, which, who's sponsoring the, the Giants Park now. Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, it's still AT&T to me. It's still AT&T to me, too. Is it Qualcomm or no? Oh, I think it's, you might be right. It was Oracle. Oh, Qualcomm Oracle. San Diego. Oracle Park, yeah. yeah. They have done stuff there too, which I don't understand how that works. Except I, I know where you can put people to sit, but I'm imagining that you'd need to on the field put in obstacles and whatever, and run around the block and yeah, go to the city somehow. Maybe. Yeah, somehow. Um, I think that I, any anything else that we talk about this is going to get really down into the to to the minutia. But um, I guess maybe the bottom line is that uh, you feel like there is a such a great sense of accomplishment for just getting through the races. And there's, there's kind of an emotional component to that that makes you feel good about what you did, even if you get beat up. Um, so from that perspective, you're definitely recommending that people give it a shot if they feel like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I will tell you that uh, the aches and pains never go away. Um, if, if you are training, you know, even if you're just doing it in a couple of miles, you know, a day, one mile a day around the, the park or, or whatever, um, you're going to be engaging and opening up muscles that haven't seen the day of life in a few years mm-hmm. and hopefully, uh, um, will come back to life for you. But yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, and if you're a power lifter, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It, there is, there's not a day that goes by that you don't have an, an ache someplace. That's I mean, it just sure. kind of hurts so good. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, and I think for me, uh, you know, never I gone out and ran and I got done and said, you know what, I wish, really wish I hadn't done that. It's always usually the opposite. So I think, and Rich has seen a lot of people because he announces on the race side. So you just have, it's just hard to really explain to people who aren't doing it that sense of, you know, be, being in a team environment or just competing against yourself and really just pushing yourself to be better. And I guess it, it kind of is one sign of a longing of mine to, to see people at least give something like that a try because I think people discover a lot of things and you find, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about the things they didn't know, but by pushing themselves to do just a little bit outside of their quote unquote comfort zone, you know, they find out, it, you know, a lot of times they, embrace it for for the long term so there's everybody oh it did you know that's uh, it was working and then it flipped over and i don't know what the story was but now you can see both of us just in time to wrap this one up so (laughs) where can people find you and your show so the ragnar life podcast is on all podcast players itunes stitcher google play I heart and I'm on all social media, James Van Proyen and the Facebook group. We have a Facebook group for the Ragnar life. Awesome. And, uh, once again, I'm a co-host on the Ragnar life podcast. Uh, you can also find me at chasing Immortals, as well as on Facebook, rich Nichols and Nichols is N I C H O L E S. Awesome. 
Saw Mike, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, 50% Podcast. That's where we are. Find us Wednesday. Appreciate you. Give us a, a, a rating and review. It helps a lot. Uh, thanks for tuning in, team. I am at the I can't even talk today. I am at the Jim McDee on all the social medias and follow me there and follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. We are 50% facts where percent is a word. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. Awesome. Guys. Awesome.